Hey, Mike Ulmer here. The great Mark Pettipaw lent me this space to remind you that now is a great time to write your nonfiction book. I've interviewed 10,000 people. I've written 19 books, and I want to help you write yours. Here's how we do it. First, we interview you. Then we give you a detailed step-by-step blueprint for your book based on that interview. We write your thousand-word introduction, throw in some cover ideas, and suggest a title. And here's the best part. We assign a writer to help you answer all your questions for a calendar year. You're going to be so sick of us. Click the link, I want to write my book, in Mark's show notes for a free consultation. At the very least, we'll help you find your story and send you on your way free of charge. Now it's on to lessons in leadership from the stockroom to the boardroom with my friend, Mark Pettipa. So welcome to episode 14 of the Lessons in Leadership podcast brought to you by www.markpettipa.com because when you can't find a sponsor, sponsor your own damn show. This week's guest for episode 14 is Ron Reich, and Ron's joining us out of New Jersey today. He is the principal and owner of RLB Training and Development and has been in that business for almost 20 years now. So looking forward to learning from Ron today about his journey in leadership and how he impacts other organizations. As I mentioned, Ron's been with uh, RLB Training and Development now for almost over 19 years. Prior to that, he was a management development associate with Organon Pharmaceuticals for three years. Then was a sales training consultant for Chubb Computer Services for two years. So I'll I'll pick on his sales brain a little because we share that common interest as well. Uh, A senior sales trainer for four years for Toshiba America, an MS Human Resource Management from Uppsala College, and a BA of Bizidman and Management from Gettysburg College. So Ron has spent his life, it sounds like, in a little bit of sales, but mostly leadership. Uh, two areas I'm very passionate about. So it should be fun to talk about uh, these things today with Ron. Ron, what I miss and welcome. Oh, you know what, Mark? I don't think you missed really anything at all. Uh, And I I truly do share your passion for uh, sales, sales training and the leadership. And I feel so unbelievably blessed to be able to do the kind of work that I do because it's 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 my passion. I have so much fun with this. And I, I believe you and I may have touched on this in our pre-call. I mean, almost every single time when I get to do a session, I just think to myself, man, I'm getting paid to do this. This is unbelievable. <laughs> you know, you could start doing it for free. No, I'm just teasing you, Ron. <laughs> it is. It's it's quite a joy, eh? Well, and 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 you know what, Mark? It is. It's it's an incredible joy. And I, I strongly believe one of the things that sets me apart from people is that I do like to go above and beyond and help anybody I can, whether I get paid or not. And you know, I'm I'm reminded years ago, I, I did a I did an American Management Association class in Philadelphia. We finished. And it's a Friday afternoon. Everybody's you know anxious to get out and get started, blah, blah, blah. One of the participants came up to me, Ron, can I ask you something about work? And I was like, sure, of course you can. So we started talking. We talked for about a half an hour or so. And she stopped me. And she was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're finished. Everybody has left. You're not getting paid to talk to me. What are you doing here? And I was like, there are a couple of things in play here. Number one, I care. Number two, I like to be a nice guy. And number three, I do need to tell you, I have a selfish motive. Because if there's anything that I can do to make you better, it's just going to help people overall. And ultimately, I believe in what goes around comes around. It'll help my wife and I eventually. Yep. Yeah, what you give out usually comes back to some degree, right? But you got to give out first. Well, I mean, and 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 that's exactly it. And I, I you know, and I, I know we talked about part of this, Mark, because I have it in my notes from our pre-call in servant leadership. And I mean, I'm there for them. You know, I'm not there. You know, class starts at nine. We end at four thirty, and you shall not bother me during breaks or lunch or whatever. It's like. No, <laughs> I'm here to help you any way I can. And whatever I can do, I will do. And that's what good leaders do. 
Uh, that's a great approach. On that note, I normally ask this question last, but most of my listeners know quite a few of the guests I've had on. So they know about their path, what they're doing today, et cetera. But I always close up with that. But I'd like to open with that, Ron, because my listeners may not be familiar with you. You're in New Jersey. I'm in Wasega Beach, Ontario. Uh, most of my listeners are people who have worked with me and have worked with the people that I've had on my podcast. So you're a first. So why don't we open up with, tell us about RLB training and development. What do you do today? Well, really what I do, Mark, I help emerging and current leaders and managers to be their very, very best through education and training. And I mean, that, that essentially is the, is the mission statement of my business. And I do that through, uh, you know, uh, training sessions, individual coaching. Uh, and again, it is, it's, it's what's, cl it's called, you know, the classic soft skills, except they're not soft skills. They're hard skills to learn. <laughs> totally. And, 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 and what's the size of like organizations that you work small, medium, large, a little bit of everything. It's, it is truly a little bit of everything. And I mean, my, my sweet spot though is more of the, the smaller to mid-sized firms. And the reason I say that is I'm by myself and I think I can make the biggest impact and really help, uh, help those types of organizations more than the uh, real large types. I mean, I have done, I mean, I've worked with Santa Fe, I've worked with Novartis and, and, and those types, and it's been fine. My preference, though, and like I said, my sweet spot are the, small, are the smaller and mid-sized firms. We're talking about, you know, 150, 200 employees. I mean, I have a new client in Boston that has seven employees, and I'm going to be working with them. Are you now? Here's the big question: As a Rangers fan, will you be taking them out to a Bruins game? <laughs> <laughs> you might not want to start the relationship that way, Ron. Well, and and you know what? It's all about relationships. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> well, now that we've determined we do similar things, I'm going to have to end this call now. No, I'm just teasing. I, I'm a big believer that you know the more we can share the quicker people can learn and and it's nice to see you're doing similar things on on the other side of the border cuz i try and focus on the same in in interestingly though um mark i'm also a very big stephen covey fan and ha habit four from stephen covey think win win and one of the key principles within that habit is to have an abundance mentality and what what stephen talks about and what i believe in there's plenty out there for everybody. There's plenty of business for you. There's plenty of business for me and everybody else who's out there. And the key thing is, at least again, my philosophy, and I'm hearing the same thing from you, share information. Let's help each other because the better we, the better I do, the better you'll do, and the better collectively we'll all do eventually. It's an, I, I like to have that abundance mentality. Love it. So let me ask you this. We'll start like, maybe diving a little deeper into the, some of the functional questions so our audience can learn um, faster. That's the purpose of this podcast, as I was telling you earlier. It's like, let's yeah. bring on guests who have been there, made that mistake, learn from it. And knowing there's value in failures, let's help you learn from the biggest one, but avoid the little ones by getting information from this podcast and hearing from others. And there's also a part of, hey, they've been there too. It's okay I'm going through it. I, I'm experiencing what other people who've got there have experienced. Yeah. So I want to jump in a little there. But, but just before I do, the sales to leadership thing. So yeah. talk to me about that because you spent the first part of your career focusing on sales training. Yeah. And you've spent a large part of your career now on leadership training. When did that happen and how did it happen? When I, when I joined Toshiba, Mark, my, my job was sales training. It was, it was pretty much just direct sales training. And uh, this was back many, many years ago. I was in the copier and fax division of Toshiba. And you know, I started off doing that and you know, was doing well. And I was so proud and, and, and frankly, very, very surprised when Barbara Fulmer, my boss, and Tony Cotiani, her boss, came to me and just said, we want to get you involved in, in what we call, the, the course was called Sales Management Plus. 
And it was sales management leadership. They said, you know, you're doing well with the sales training. We want to get you more exposure. And that's where I started. And I mean, it was just so much fun. And it evolved from there. I mean, it, it, and it's, it's just been, as I had said to you, an incredibly fun journey. Yeah, you touched on something. And, and I asked the question purposely. And, and we, didn't, we didn't talk about this in our pre-meeting. I didn't know this. I was hoping it was the answer. So it was a little bit of a risk. Um, <laughs> was that transition happened from a functional skill you were transferring and then teaching others how to transfer that functional skill? And that's a whole new layer of behaviors. You know, yes. I, I often talk about while some sales managers struggle is because they were the best salesperson on the team, but they don't know how to help other people sell, sell because those are leadership behaviors and those need to be taught. You know, you're a hockey fan. I'm a hockey fan. We've talked about that. Yeah. I truly believe the reason Wayne Gretzky always struggled as a coach is how do you coach other people who aren't Wayne Gretzky? Right. You have to be able to speak in the language of the fourth liner, the third liner, the second liner, and the star player. And that's right. what great leaders do. They find a way to communicate and transfer behavior. So it's interesting to see that that happened. Yeah. Well, and Mark, I mean, it, I, I have to comment on this because, again, what you're saying is so true. And it's been my experience time and time again, not only in the sales world, just in any department, is that, oh, Mark. You're a really, really solid accountant. We're going to make you department manager. And it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, different set of competencies. And you see it. I don't know what your you know, observations are with your client base, but I, I still see that happening over 70% of the time. And, and that is not a critique of my customers, of their people. It's just the way we seem to see, determine who's going to be a leader. And that's okay, just to be clear. If you're a top sales performer, and I see the characteristics of working well with others and communicating well, and I say, okay, you're the person I'm going to start with to build some behaviors to see if you can lead, that's a great place to start. But you exactly. don't accelerate them to the promotion without giving them those skills. That's right. And and the, the, the key part of your comment right there, Mark, at least for me, to see if, if you can do this, and equally as important for me, if you're interested in it. And that's where the conversations need to happen. What are your career goals? To what do you aspire? What do you want to be doing? What are you passionate about? And, you know, again, it has to be, you know, the, the interest has to be there or you're going to have failure. And then we all lose. Everybody, the people reporting into that individual, the individual and the company. I mean, I, I, I'll tell you, oh, man, quite a few years ago now, went down to Washington, D.C. I'm doing a three day uh, American Management Association class, Building Effective Work Relationships. One of the individuals in the class works for NASA. And on the roster before the class, I saw his job title, rocket scientist. I was like, okay, this should be interesting. <laughs> Day one, he doesn't say much at all. You know, pretty insular, pretty quiet. And again, it's fine. I, I get it. On the morning, at, at lunchtime on day two, he came to me, Ron, I'm going to leave. I, I, I can't do this. I, I just can't. I don't like people. And I'm just so uncomfortable. And Mark, he was a manager. He was a manager. And he, and, you know, I, I need to leave. I just don't like people. And it's like, you belong in front of a computer writing code. You're probably one of the best ever at it. And that's what you should be doing. And I, I, can, I, I didn't ask. I can about guarantee whatever his name was, Jerry, you know, whatever. You're a great programmer. So we'll make you manager now. Yeah. <laughs> it's just. Everybody loses. Yeah, and we and we and, and and as senior leaders, you have to be selective on having that dialogue. Like you know, I I'm in in one of my five key anchors. In my program is about professional development strategies, and because I'm so hyper focused on seeing people succeed and grow, I made the mistake of taking someone who was very good at their job and trying to push them to the next level. And they kind of looked at me and said, like, I just I see what the leaders do. I don't want to have to do that. Right. I just want to do my day job, be good at it and go home. And so, right. you know, there's you, you got to evaluate that 
move and have the conversations that you're referring to. I think that's yeah. really great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So tell me then, let's now shift. We got the why sales to leadership. And, and, <laughs> and, and by the way, the reason I asked is that's a big pet peeve of mine is we promote sales leaders without the leadership behaviors. And then all they can do is scream at their people when their conversion isn't there and their prospect lists aren't being follow up. But we can't teach them how to teach a sales professional, how to have an open-ended conversation or how to go and research because they don't have that skill set. So anyway, okay, let's dive into the leadership stuff. So I'm going to start really high level with you, Ron, because you've been doing this for, as I said, almost 20 years. What's worked for you? Like, when are you successful with a client and get that breakthrough? What's Ron's transferable skill set across all those clients? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back, Mark, to, to a comment that I made earlier in that I believe it's all about developing good relationships with people at all different levels, just at all different levels. And I think, number one, again, talking about the servant leadership is talking, talking to the senior people in an organization, learning about what they need, and then connecting with the next level, getting to know them personally and professionally, and just everybody throughout the organization. Because when, when you do that and people feel comfortable, that's where you're going to succeed. That's when people are going to start sharing information openly and freely. And I mean, it's, it's interesting because, again, with, with this client in Boston, my, my plan is to, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going next week or, or soon, whatever, and that doesn't matter. What, you know, the, the, the owner of this company said to me, um, really, really, she, she runs a, uh, kitchen remodeling company, ironically, and we're having our kitchen remodeled. <laughs> Fine. She said to me though, I'm really good, really good technically at what I do. And she said, I don't know anything about leading people or working with people and I'm struggling mightily. And what I want to do is go up there and I want to meet with her and just talk with her and Equally as important, and maybe even more important, Mark, I want to talk to her team and just talk to the people that work there informally, just about, I want to get to know you a little bit, just, you know, personally, professionally, what's it like to work here? Just, t- you know, tell me about that. Tell me a little bit about Marlene and, and just establishing the fact that I am not here to beat you up. I'm not here to beat Marlene up. I'm here to help everybody. I'm here to help everybody. And that needs to come across. And I think, you know, and again, for me personally, that's one of the things that, that I just, I, I want, I want to do that face to face. I just do. I want to be able to talk to people about, you know, just, you know, what do you love to do? Oh, wow. Okay. You know, you love the beach, you love the Bruins or, you know, just whatever. And let people know that, yeah, I'm human. You know, I'm, I'm not I'm not this consultant who's here to, you know, take your company apart or anything like that. No, no, no. I'm here to help. And in order to do that, I want to get to know you. And 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 I love that you're speaking about that from the client perspective and how you best set up that client for success by making that connection with not only the leaders who have engaged you to come in, but the individuals are going to be part of the training. It's a big gap I see in the market. Like, so my first anchor is the connection meeting. So seven out of 10 of my clients on leadership, well, we don't do one-on-ones and we don't know how to develop people and we're growing and we want to be able to scale our people. Okay. So we want to learn how to coach. I get all that, but you had a connection meeting first, like, and the purpose of the connection meeting is exactly what you're doing is how do I get the individual's needs, wants, desires, gaps, how I can close them, help them, et cetera, and understand those before I ever try and connect them to the goals of the organization? That's right. And That's the right. leaders miss that 99 times out of 100. If they do coach, they just jump into what we need done this week. Right. That's right. And and my, my philosophy, Mark, is also I, I want to go talk to everybody. And what I like to do is is have 
the, the leaders, the department managers, whoever it might be, I want them to then go through a day or two of formal training with me. And then from there, we can sit down and start to talk about any individual gaps that exist within within people. Because I, I like everybody to be on the same page, like everybody to have gone through the same thing. And then if we need to reinforce or there are some other things there, that's fine because at least they will have gone through the training and they're not getting hit with this cold, if you will. Yeah. Consistent approach for all. I love it. Um, okay. I need a story now here, Ron. You got to give me your best story here. Okay. So we're going to get a little <laughs> out of the functional. We're going to talk about Ron's life a little bit. And if I probe too deep, just let me know here. But I'd love to know if you can put your finger on your biggest professional influence in your life for how you lead and your biggest personal influence in your life that has impacted how you lead. Yeah, you know what? This, this is what I'll talk about, Mark. Okay. The best boss I ever had in my entire career was at Toshiba. A woman, a woman named Barbara Fulmer. Okay. Barbara, first of all, Barbara was not the first person for whom I worked at Toshiba. In fact, I, I don't know how many people there were, maybe even three before her, whatever, it doesn't matter. The gentleman for whom I was working resigned. Okay. The, the team, there were only three of us covering the country. So, I mean, we were running around like mad. Jack resigned and we were like, okay. This is too bad because we loved him. Barbara came on board, okay? And she came on board. When I say guns blazing, I am not kidding. And she, to this day, she freely does say, and this is what I appreciate her about, appreciate about her so much. She said, I made some mistakes when I came on board. And we were all like, yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did. I mean, I mean, Mark, she she called us to a meeting in Dallas, a two day meeting after having been on board for about a month. And she beat us senseless for two straight days. I mean, it was just awful. And my point is simply Barbara came to understand. And I, I can't say for a fact, although I believe it with every fiber I have, Tony, her boss, talked to her and coached her and let her know. This is not going well. You need to change some behaviors. One of the things that I admired so much about Barbara, even during the time when she was being so difficult with us, is that she never asked us to do anything she wasn't willing to do herself. Uh -huh. Okay. Number two, Barbara, Barbara, when, when Barbara coached me, she modeled the behavior that she was looking for. So I knew what she wanted. And as, as time went on, Mark, there wasn't a doubt in my mind that she wanted me to be the best I could possibly be. And I still, I mean, every, every class I do, I still think of her and I think about the way she took, she, she showed me how to facilitate effectively, how to ask good questions, how, how and, and truly, I'm not kidding when I say this, Mark, how to write good flip charts. I mean, just all of these things. And one of my proudest professional achievements, even though it was many, many years ago, she came to see me do a three-day interview, interviewing class. And we talked at the end of each day, of course, how did it go? How did it go? And I knew it was going well after, after the first two days. She had a 15-page form that she used to evaluate us. There were 150 points you could uh, obtain on this form, you know, relative to your competencies and everything else. We sat down when the course was over, and I'll never forget, she looked me right in the eye. And she said, Mr. Reich, not Ron, Mr. Reich, you were flawless. Wow. You were flawless. You got 149 out of 150 points. And my question to her was, what did I get the one point off for? <laughs> and you know what she said? Today, your pants weren't ironed that well, and I had to take one point off for something. <laughs> <laughs> she couldn't tell you you were perfect, or you wouldn't be playing the infinite game anymore, right? Like, 
That's exactly right. That, yeah. that's exactly right. And and you know what though, Mark, if you don't mind, the the one thing though that I'd like to add to this because it's a huge leadership lesson for me is I prepared so unbelievably hard for those three days and I was ready. I was ready. And, and, and one of the things I believe, and, and actually we'll, we'll do the sports analogy. Okay. I believe with every fiber I have, you play like you practice. I practiced really, really hard and I was ready. And I, and, and because I practiced so well, I played well. And, you know, I, I can take you back. I, ha- I have an incredible memory for certain things. I can take you back to my senior year in high school. And we had a big basketball game coming up against Mountain Lakes, one of our biggest rivals. And I still remember Tom O'Brien, our coach, coming up to us on Thursday. The game's Friday night. Guys, big, big game tomorrow night. We need to have a really good practice today because we will play tomorrow night like we practice today. So let's go. We had a really, really good practice, and we beat the tar out of them Friday night. And I still remember that. I was like, you know what? There's something to this. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 I draw that sports analogy with Nick Nurse and the Toronto Raptors. And, and, and when it comes to behaviors, coaching live and in the moment – Versus coaching and practice and how they're both intertwined around behaviors. They watch and observe how you do the game. They give you feedback on the behaviors at timeouts, make adjustments, different defensive sets, shuffle your feet. They don't say, hey, let them score less and let's score more. Right. Like that's just coaching the KPIs without coaching the behaviors. That's right. And then what they observe, they bring back into practice. So you're better prepared to execute in the next game. Exactly. Um, and too many, too many leaders don't show up for the game. They sit in their office. They're on the practice court while the game's going on. Yep. Or they show up to the game, but they don't take the behaviors back to practice and work on them, right, and help their team improve. So I, I love that analogy. But I'm, I, I got to ask you, great answer on the professional side. What about the personal side? And I'll just give you some context and where I'm trying to go. For me, the type of leader I am when I'm on is my mom and my dad. My mother is a maritimer, mother of five boys. She was the life of the party. Everyone had to eat. Everyone had to have a drink. Everyone needed to be laughing before she'd worry about herself. My father was a military man. Discipline, punctuality, right? So you put those two things together, and I believe you got someone who cares a lot about people being uh, taken care of and succeeding and putting a process behind it. What's your, who are your personal influences that you could tie to leadership? <laughs> I'm Mark, Mark, I'm laughing because you just told my story. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. But let's hear it out of your mouth. <laughs> you did. My, my dad was, was a top executive where he worked. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned the name Fred Reich. And everybody in the company, oh, of course, Fred, you know, as you know, one of the senior leaders. And he he came out of the command and control era. And I mean, what I learned from him, the discipline, just the execution of things, and just that, I mean, I I'm I'm big mark on phrases and those sorts of things. My dad told the story one day, a, a manager of his came to him and to- was talking to him about, he was so proud of what a good problem solver he was. You know, Fred, I solve problems beautifully. I can, I understand them and I analyze and I get alternate solutions. And he's going on and on about what a great problem solver he is. And my dad said to him, you know what, you know, what you're really, really saying is that you're not very good at your job. Because he said, it sounds like you're spending a lot of time solving problems. And I don't want you solving problems. I want you preventing the problems in the first place. Mm. And I was like, wow, dad, that is a keeper. That is a keeper. And I, I mean, I could go on and on with stories about that, just how I admired him. And the other thing that I learned from my dad, Mark, is uh, going back to my senior year in high school. Senior, you know, he's a senior executive, 
And he took every single Tuesday off unequivocally during the basketball season so he could come see me play. And I mean, what a lesson I learned there about the importance of family and the importance of, I'm not sure I want to say work-life balance, is just though that, hey, you, you, you are a priority over and above my job. And hand in hand with that, the other, the other leadership is, is from my mom, a woman of incredibly, incredibly deep faith, a woman who loved her family so unbelievably deeply and was so unbelievably devoted and yet would tell you the truth no matter what. And when I needed a kick in the butt, she gave it to me. And I admired that about her, just absolutely admired that. She was, she was so kind, she was so loving, and she could let you have it between the eyes when you needed it. You know, and, and, and again, in a loving way, I don't mean yeah. to say that, you know, just like, hey, Ron, this is, this is unacceptable behavior, and I don't ever want to see this again. And, it, you know, okay, that's fair. And man, did I respect her for that. Oh, that's awesome. So you've got execution, discipline, yet importance of family from dad. You've got mom loving the family, but no issues giving it to you right between the eyes when you needed it. Those are great characteristics and qualities to have in leader. And if they've influenced you to influence others, it's a great rock, you know. And it's funny, I went through the journey of I lost my dad a few years ago and I lost my brother just a couple months after that. I'd lost mm. him quite a while ago. And you got to look in the rearview mirror to understand what's been helping you drive down the road. (laughs) It's crazy until you stop and you go through that piece in your life and you're like, oh, wait, I'm kind of wired in a good way from everything they've influenced me over the years. And boy, that's showing up in my work. Um, That's a really positive thing. Uh, Okay, so let's talk about you don't have to pick one. You don't have to pick many. This is up to you. I always ask this question. I really view failure as a springboard. And in full respect to your father about not making problems, finding the problems before they happen versus solving them, um, there is big value in learning from mistakes as long as you don't repeat them. So do you have anything in your career that you could share with the group? You're like, yeah, this was a mistake I thought I'd never get over, but here's how it helped me. (laughs) What's your biggest learning from a failure in your life? I'm with Toshiba, and I'm going to be doing a five-day sales training, uh, product knowledge slash sales training class. And I deny to no one that I did not know the products as well as I should have. And I thought what I could do was sort of skate through, if you will, no pun intended with the hockey and skating. I thought I could skate through the product knowledge part and concentrate on the selling skills, which I knew really well. On the morning of, it was about noontime on day two, two people from Philadelphia got up. You don't know what you're doing. We're out of here. And they left. Wow. About two and a half hours later, I got a telephone call, again, from Tony Cotiani, who I mentioned earlier, my boss's boss. And Tony tore me to shreds, rightly so, rightly so, because I had made a really bad mistake. And I vowed from that day forward, Mark, I will never walk into a classroom unprepared again. And that goes back to what we were talking about with my greatest professional achievement, because I was so well prepared for that. I, you know, I, I prepared, I hope you believe me, because it is true. I prepared for our podcast today. I've got, I've got, enough, I've got enough, I'm talking with someone else again on Friday. I already have my notes together. I, I refuse to go through that again. I won't do it. And I mean, it, it was a terrible mistake, a terrible feeling. And yet it worked out well. And I, I, do, I do need to say too, Mark, because again, what I was talking about earlier relative to the importance of relationships, we had, a, we had a network of dealers at Toshiba that sold our equipment. We didn't have direct sales reps. So these two guys worked for a dealership outside of Philadelphia. And I ended up calling the president of that dealership and just talking to him on the phone. He goes, I will never send, ever, 
anybody to any more Toshiba training because, you know, you guys don't know what you're doing. And I was like, I, 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 Art was his name. I was like, Art, I get it. I understand how angry you are. Please, can you give us one more chance? And if you will, you can send them for free. I, you know, we won't charge you for it. Just send somebody. He sent one person and that went well. He started sending some others. Very long story short, Art and I became friends. Mm. And, you know, again, it's like, hey, and, and you know, and a, a good leader, too, admits mistakes. Art, I was wrong. I'm sorry. You're, you have every right to be angry. It's just totally on me. There are no excuses coming out of my mouth. Here's what I'm going to do in order to change it. Yeah, and I find a lot of leaders, and I see that changing today, but I find a lot of leaders view that as a sign of weakness. And and, and quite frankly, I, th- I think the people you work with view that as a great strength, that they can build trust because they know you'll tell them when they're wrong. Now, if you spend your life apologizing to them about how badly you screwed up over and over again, that <laughs> won't really fix things. Um, that, but that initial moment of owning something and, and then again, just saying, sorry, here's how I plan to fix it. It's so powerful. That's right. Now, That's well, right. Well said. What would you tell Ron in 2003? In 2003, what would now, I tell? Knowing what you know in 2022, what would you tell Ron in 2003 when you were starting this business? If I can, Mark, I'm going to go back a little earlier. Sure. Okay. Uh, it was prob- prob- well, hold I, on, I, hold on, hold on a second. This is my podcast. I ask the questions <laughs> around here. Answer the damn. No, I'm just teasing you. Please, whatever <laughs> makes you most comfortable. No, no. And the, the the reason I'm bringing this up another another leadership lesson for me, as it were. I was talking to an old to to my boss at Oregon on pharmaceuticals, and he we were actually he had actually given me my raise. He told me what my bonus was. And I was happy. I thought it was fair and everything else. And I made the comment to him, Joe, I so admire David, well, you know, one of my colleagues. He knows so much about so many different things. And I, Joe, Joe just looked at me and he said, you know what? He said, if you really, really want to become the best you can be, you need to start reading. He said, you need to start reading leadership books. You, start, you need to start getting uh, newsletters. And just read, 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 and you will become a resource for people. And that's one of the greatest pieces of business advice I ever got in my entire life. And that's one of the big reasons for my success today, too. And I mean, it, yeah, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. If there are any gaps I can fill, Mark, of course. Oh, that's, that is great. That is some of the similar advice I got from a boss named Lisa Larder, who was really, really, at the time I was working for Telus Mobility, our big wireless, one of the big wireless companies here in Canada. And they were doing Who Moved My Cheese and Good to Great at the time, I think. From, yeah. And I was just, listen, I went to university. I spent more time partying than studying. I was that guy. So I just had no interest in reading. And she convinced me, like, if you really want to go to the next next level, there are things you have to learn and understand to get more scope and responsibility. And these books will help you. And so I started to read and I actually started to enjoy it. Never did I think I'd write my own book with the help of a good friend. Um, But I would give many people that advice. And what I tell the young person today who's like me back then is that I ain't reading a book. I can do it myself. I'll figure it out. I've done it before. Blah, blah, blah. YouTube is the most valuable tool out there. If you don't want to spend four hours reading a book because it's not your thing, go watch the author's 30-minute TED Talk or 30-minute speech. They will break down those same behaviors in that talk. If that's the way you want to consume the knowledge, it's never been easier to consume knowledge. There's just too much of it out there now. That's right. I mean that, that that's that's exactly right. And I mean, you know, when when you can break it down into chunks as well. And you know, the the other thing that Joe said to me that day that was really important to me was that, you know, he said so many people say, I don't have the time to read. I don't have the time, you know, whatever. I'm so busy. Can you read 10 pages a day? And I was like, yeah, I can do that. Start do that. And that's what I try to do. I mean, sometimes it's more than 10, fine. Yeah. Except some, some people will say to me too, oh, Ron, if I miss three or four days, can I read 40 pages in a day? And I was like, I wouldn't. 
because then you're reading for the sake of reading and you're not learning, you're not absorbing. So, you know, make the commitment 10 a day. And if you miss a day or two, I mean, that's fine. It happens still 10 a day makes perfect sense to me. Bite-sized pieces. Yeah. So yeah. We'll, we'll shift to just, you know, as we, and you've been gr really gracious with your time. If we can have 10 more minutes. That'd be awesome. Sure. Uh, just shift to some guidance um, conversation here where you would, you know, provide your thoughts and very specific questions. So on the concept of books, is there a book or two that you tell anyone who's a new manager or an experienced leader that's not really into books that they should start with? Is there one you'd strongly recommend for leaders? I think for, for a new leader, Mark, the, the book that I always like to recommend is called Leading at a Higher Level. And it's written by Ken Blanchard, uh, the co-designer from Situational Leadership. And one of the reasons I recommend that is because he takes you through the entire situational leadership model. And he talks about how you can work with individuals using the model, how you can work with teams using the model. He gets into the importance of recognition. And so it's, it's more than just a management book. He touches on other things as well. Uh, for, more, for more experienced leaders, one of the, one of the best books I've read uh, is, is called Leadership is Language. And it's written by, uh, the author is a, a guy named David Marquet. Uh, he's, a, he's a former military uh, guy. And what he talks about in the book, near and dear to my heart, is the importance of preparing. It's also, he also talks about the critical need for leaders to, to be open to hearing what their teams have to say to them. And wow. how that and 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 one of the things he does, and I, I like this a lot. If 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 you work for me, Mark, okay, and you're gonna you're gonna be uh delivering a training program for the first time, what a lot of leaders will do, Mark, are you ready to deliver this program? Yes or no. Mark, on a scale of one to ten, how ready are you to deliver this program? Ron, I'm, I'm at an eight. Okay, great. What prevents it from being a 10? How can I help you? And I mean, he, he goes through that. He goes through a lot of other techniques relative to project management and take, taking what he calls, and now the, the, the term just left me. It, it, it's essentially a formal stop. In other words, if you have a six-month-long project, He's, he, he recommends you stop everything at two months or, or whenever you decide to stop it. Stop the project. You sit down and you analyze everything that's going on. Everything. What's going well? Where are we struggling? Are we on track? And then you make your adjustments and move forward. And then you have another formal stop, maybe four months in. And I mean, just it's an excellent book. Just just. I, I love the way he wrote it. So that was Leading at a Higher Level by Ken Blanchard and Leadership is Language? Yes, yes, and by David, David Marquet. I'm not sure how to spell it. M-A-R-Q-U-I-E-T. It's something like that. Okay, we'll have a look at that. Awesome. I'm going to make sure I put that in the notes. Um, okay, here's a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could be fun. I don't know. So you talked about, you know, your best influence professionally and uh you had mentioned um the lady who came in barbara fulmer guns a blazing yep. at toshiba and what you admired about her was the the, the humbleness to admit a mistake and gain confidence yep. that was something that stood up for you talk to me about your worst leader and you don't need to give a name and oh, I'm, I I'm just more fussed with the behavior and the reason i am is so the listeners can go hey let's stay away from that one then so, yeah. so what does a bad leader in your past look like? Somebody who's invisible, disconnected, and inconsistent. And I, 
I want to be no, no. I mean, no, nobody, nobody uh, be, will ever be able to put this together because I'm, I'm also, I also like to try to have some integrity, and I don't want anybody to figure out who I'm talking about. Yeah, I, d- I did work for a woman one time though, Mark, who she was just never around. She, you know, she, she would say, "We're going to have a staff meeting at, at you know, nine o'clock Thursday morning," and she'd show up at quarter of ten. Mm. And 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 that and that was on a consistent basis. I mean, she 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 gave me my performance evaluation, and she she rated me average, which sent me which sent me over the top. And my point is, some of the things on which she rated me, some of the categories, she could not rate me at all because she had never seen me in action. And I called her out on that. I was like, how can you possibly give me this rating? You never saw me not once in the classroom, not once. So it's, this is not okay. And I mean, it's just those sorts of things, the inconsistency of this is what I expect, except it's not what I do. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Like to me, it, uh, we're aligned on so many fronts. It's kind of neat to have this conversation because we didn't really spend a, time ta- a lot of time talking about what we were going to talk about today. But like that is the gap that motivates me. So, you know, I, I in, this, in, my, in my leadership courses, in my book, I talk about these five servant leadership anchors. And yeah. what it's trying to do through those five anchors is make sure you're there as a leader and you're present within a process. Right. You're coaching behaviors, not results, within that process. Yes. And make sure that the process is repeatable and your team can come to expect it. So, you know, connection meeting, one-on-one, professional development strategy, coaching during the game, and performance reviews. Because what you went through is exactly what a lot of people go through where they sit down and they get – whether even and it's even the reverse. Like you could get an elite performance review rating – But you know your boss is just placating you. Right. You know they have no idea how you do your job because they don't have conversations with you. They've never watched you do it. They're not helping you grow. But, hey, listen, like, I don't want to lose you, so here's a raise and here's a leak. And it almost does does the reverse of what you're trying to do. It furthers the gap. Furthers the gap. Sorry. Um, And and I love that you touched on that as the negative experience. with You know, again, that's why I don't look for a name. Having that integrity, we're not here to throw under the bus. What we're trying to do is – inspire other leaders listening this to say sometimes the basics are so important well you know and again for whatever reason i'm thinking about my wife's cousin gerald gerald is i'm not sure of the number i think he's he's either the number four or number five guy overall at the fda and we were we we had them over to dinner a while back and we're talking with we were chatting and unsolicited, unsolicited, Mark, he says to me, you know what I love to do, Ron? I'm like, what, Gerald? He said, I love walking around. He said, I love walking around the office and talking to people and catching up with them, finding out what they're doing, what's going well, the things with which they're struggling. <laughs> I was just smiling. And I was like, Gerald, that's one of the reasons you're really good at what you do. Absolutely. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> that's that's actually a Tom Peters, I believe, 1980 uh, philosophy and book, Management by Wandering Around. And when I first heard it, I'm like, oh, that's so, like, how do you inspire someone with managing by wandering around? <laughs> like, it just kind of sounds flimsy, doesn't it? But it's so critical. And so I just tweaked it, and I call it, again, with my sports analogies, coaching during the game. Right. Getting out on the floor, watching it happen, being that's there, right. meet, meeting people. Uh, oh, that's great. I love being recognized when you actually see me doing it more than telling me a week later in a one-on-one based in some numbers. I also, as a leader, can get out there and say, wow, I talked to eight of you today and you're all struggling with the CRM system. It's not working for us. I get it. That's real. I'm taking it back to the IT team. We're going to clean this thing up and I'm going to come back and empower my sales team again. See, and and, and that, that's the key too, because you're seeing a pattern. So you're realizing it's not, you know, it's, it's not Mark, it's not Jeff, it's the whole team that's struggling. So therefore, something's wrong with the system itself, something's wrong with the process when everybody is struggling. 
Um, okay, we are 52 minutes into this thing and you have been awesome. I feel like I could talk to you all day, Ron, but I won't do that to you. I promise. I know you got a renovation going on at your house. Um, and so I don't want to hold you back and you're outside doing this graciously. So thank you. Um, parting words. What would Ron, and then I got one more question for you, but what would Ron tell someone who's listening to this podcast today who's accepted their first leadership role and they have a team that reports into them? And they're going on this journey of management and leadership, two different things. What would Ron tell them? Get get to know your team really well. No, you know what, Mark, actually? Let me, let me back up for a second. Get to know yourself extraordinarily well first. Then get to know your team. Then get to know your team because the more the better you know yourself, the more effectively you'll work with other people. Love it. Where can anybody who wants to learn more from Ron find you? What's the best place for anyone to find you? Mark, probably the best way to do it is through LinkedIn. And uh, just very simply, uh, you know, my, my name, Ron Reich, R-E-I-C-H, and it's RLB Training and Development. And there are truly, and I, I, I'm going to be self-serving here, and, and yet I'm, I, I am and I'm not. Because we are, I, I hired, I hired a marketing coach about four or five months ago. And again, a good leader realizing I need some help and I needed some help marketing. And what we're putting out there, there are going to be a bunch of leadership snippets on the, on, on the page. There are going to be some really cool tips that are available to anybody out there. So, I mean, I, if anybody's interested, please go. And, you know, if, if anybody wants to have a conversation, and I mean that, it's a conversation with me, please feel free to reach out. It's not going to be a sales call. You know, oh, yes, and this is what I offer. And, oh, yeah, great. No, I promise you, I'll talk to you. And if there's a need and you want to talk about working together, of course I will. If there's not and you just need some information or some advice, I'll be glad to give it to you. Amazing. What a, what a great place to end the, the podcast. So that open offer to help and, um, and find you on LinkedIn. And like, if I heard you correctly, there's some more valuable com content coming as well. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. I, I, you know, Ron, I'm glad we did this. I mean, we met, I think on a Facebook group about podcasts. Right. Uh, and I, and I've been approached by a ton of people about coming on the podcast and, you know, I just, I have a theme. And so Usually, I don't put anyone on this podcast that I don't know, um, and if I don't know them, we've got to—they've got to be aligned to the value this podcast is trying to provide. And man, you nailed it! So I really, really appreciated you doing this, Mark. Th thank you, and uh, truly, it's been my pleasure. I mean, I—it's—it's I, it's so much fun to talk to talk with a nice guy and to talk with somebody who knows what he's talking about. So it has been my pleasure. Oh, that's great. So I will, uh,